Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, and Jeff, uh, I don't think that we're going to get yelled at this time around. No? Because we got a special guest with us this week. Alex Ferrario from 101 hey, ESPN him is over joining there. us. Uh, i, I got to give you guys a heads up. Rivs texted me and he said, do all of the yelling at these guys. <laughs> yeah, but, so. but see, Alex, no offense, man, but like your dirty looks don't come with the same sort of no. same sort of like frustration and disgust. I don't have Jamie's the intimidation factor. The worst thing is, is when you ask him a question or bring up a scenario and he just goes, Jeff. And I just go, oh, God. I don't care what he's going to say next. It's going to be so horrible. But having that kind of knowledge as a as a show partner, you are used to that because I don't know how you hang with BK every day. It's impossible. Because the it's dude is an, is an uh, what are they called? An, uh, what is an encyclopedia of sports knowledge? That's all he does. He just sits in front of stats all day, and then he throws hockey takes at me, and I'm like, who do you think you are here? <laughs> right. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. You're the hockey guy. I need to stop. But BK rides that fine line with sports guys for me that throw out a lot of stats and numbers, but also have good, solid, you know, like normal information to back it up as well. It's not just because, man, sometimes when you get into analytics, when you get into the numbers of things, dude, I get lost. I just do. And I feel like BK rides that line very, very well of having and having a a great amount of stats to back him up and back his opinion. That's the part for me, too, because I've never been like – Baseball stats confuse the hell out of me. Like, me me looking at stats in baseball, I'm like, I don't know what any of this means. I'm going off of the eye test. That's why I've always been a hockey guy, because it's always, like, the eye test of what you're seeing. But BK does do a phenomenal job of bringing stats into it, even in hockey. Like, we talk yeah. high-danger scoring chances, and for me, I'm like, okay, who cares about that? Did the goalie stop it or not stop it? But if you look at the high-danger scoring chances, the perfect example is what the Blues are going through right now. They're giving up a lot of high-danger scoring chances, which tells me, hey, they're struggling on the defensive side overall. So, yeah, he does a great job of the stats, and I bring the humor to the show. That's the way we like to do it. And you guys, I hear the ratings have been just phenomenal, so congrats. It's usually man. just because of the Ferrarios. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. I always get really excited. I always get excited for them when I see them post about ratings and then I go, oh, wait, I'm on at the same time. Right. I got to care about that too. Wait, I want to do better. (laughs) You know BK only posts those because you're a Bills fan and he's a Chiefs fan, Donnie. You know that's why he's doing it. That's the kind of spike. So so listen, this is kind of a, a, you know, man, like I I am very much trying to, to not get too 
upset, too weirded out about what I'm seeing. Because more than anything else, what I feel like with the Blues right now, man, they just feel kind of disjointed. You know what I mean? Like, it just feels like, you know, there's pockets of injury a little bit. There's It just feels like we still haven't gotten the team firing all, on all cylinders, and that's why I'm not really concerned. But you're looking at three losses in a row that they could have won all three of the games and then gave them up late. I, I am not a uh, a person who bets on sports like because I like my money. And I'm yeah, right. It's very it. smart, Joe. If I was going to throw money at a game last night, I would have I bet the Blues would have lost that game last night. Cause it really? Was, oh, because it's, I mean, an NHL team this far into the season only having one win and, what, three points or mm-hmm. whatever it is? Come on, man. You're due. This is the National Hockey League. Like, like River says all the time. It's a good league. You're not going to go along, uh, you know, far into the season with one win, man. And then you got a team that's struggling, losing two in a row. You got some COVID issues. You got some injury issues. It was just a trap game to me. Well, and that was the biggest thing for me. So I got a text from Morning Skate from our good friend Jeremy Rutherford, and he texted me. He's like, dude, there was no energy at Morning Skate today. And anytime there's no energy, like you can tell in a Morning Skate when they're they're chirping each other and they're stick-tapping and they're cheering – that's when you know the team's got energy. This one, he said, was just dry. And on top of it, to what you were talking about, Jeff, they had nine players, the Coyotes did, out of this game last night. Nine important players. Like, we all remember the Schmaltz-Keller line that just gave the Blues so many fits right. last year. Two of those three were unavailable last night. And it just felt like one of those trap games where Arizona was going to come out waiting for it. And Bill Armstrong, their GM, he talked with us uh, yesterday at the game and he said, Arizona, look, Arizona's rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Like, their focus is on getting to the draft. They have eight draft picks in the first two rounds. Wow. But he said, our, our recipe this season has been lulling the opponent to sleep. And if they play down to our level, that's where we attack. And unfortunately, the Blues did that last night. And on top of it, you had Scott Wedgwood in goal, who won their only other hockey game against Seattle. What makes a team... Play down to... That's a great question. Because the Cardinals have done that lately. Mm -hmm. The Blues have done that lately. I didn't play a high level of sports, so I'm not really sure what happens there. What happens there? Why does that... That's a great question. Unfortunately, I'm not Jamie Rivers in this circumstance, and the only... Yeah, but we started the the podcast on time. I guess that's that's very true. I was here at 10.15 when I was supposed to be. Um, The only thing I can think of here is you just look at the opponent. You look at an opponent who has one win. They were in the midst of a three-game losing streak. Their opponent that has made it very clear they are tanking this season to get the first overall draft pick. They're already in conversations of trade rumors with Phil Kessel and a couple of other players. So the only thing that I can go down to, and it's not that the Blues just come out and say, ah, well, this is going to be an easy win. We don't give a 50% effort. We're going to win. Like, this team's not like that. There's nobody in that locker room that plays this way. Hell, they're led by Ryan O'Reilly. You know they can't play that way. But there, there's something in the Blues recipe that we have seen over the last couple of years that when you take on an opponent that is in the midst of struggling, the Blues just don't have the energy out of the gate. Because I truly think if the Blues open up that game last night and throw the bodies around and just pin Arizona against the boards, that game's over in the first period. Because that's a team that's used to being defeated. Yeah. So it's not going <laughs> to take very much to, to, to get them down and to keep them down. Uh, we have been big Clem Costin fans on this Clem Shady. Show. Yeah. I reference Jeff and you all the time with that. That penalty last night late. Dumb. Wow. Buddy. Will he, and I was thinking when I saw that penalty happen, will he not be in the lineup potentially tomorrow night because of that? The guy that gets up at 2.30, what happened? 
it was man. All I all I can say is is it was a stupid tripping penalty. Yeah, okay. well, it was a cross checking. So basically, there's a new cross checking rule now. Are you talking the Costin or the Sod penalty? Oh, it was the Sod. The one. Sod I'm penalty. Sorry, okay. it was the Sod. Okay, okay. never mind. Yeah, okay. yep. Sorry. Yeah, because the Costin penalty was he just kind of he went after Clayton Keller who cross-checked him and then he got the penalty that negated a power play. Yes. That and was you know what? That he got dumb. his money was worth with that cross-check oh, yeah, though. He did. Costin did. It, it, not- it's so hard with that too because Craig Brewer has talked about him not taking dumb penalties but on the flip side of that I liked the feistiness because mm-hmm. nobody else had it last night. But the Brandon Saad penalty that was the tripping that that is a that's a rookie mistake from a veteran, and he would even admit to that. You but could almost see it on his face. When you did in the box, and I didn't understand it because it was just admitting failure because they had such a good offensive zone pressure time, and then as soon as he turned the puck over, it was oh blank this I'm going to knock this guy down, and he does. And as soon as he took that penalty, I knew Arizona was going to score on the power play. Yeah. You just felt it in the arena. Yeah, I feel like Sod might be one of those guys that's still not a hundred percent post COVID. Oh yeah. Like, I feel like we still have not seen what we saw even in the first couple of games of the year. And BK said this on Twitter last night, but I felt like, and and he said, but Ryan O'Reilly, I feel like he had the best game that he has had since he's been back from COVID, where it looks like those legs were back, that he was feisty and getting after everything. 100%. So that was his first game with points since October 23rd. Whoa. Like and, and he played wow. a, a couple of games after October 23rd, and then of course on the COVID protocol list, he joked a couple of games ago uh, that he wonders if the uh, side effects of COVID are losing your sense of hockey skills and hockey stick handling skills. <laughs> and I joked with Jr. on the pregame the other night, and I said, "Well, I wonder if you don't get COVID, then that means you're a better hockey player." It doesn't work for me because I'm still terrible at the game. Right. Same here. I <laughs> it it COVID, doesn't work. Wow. It doesn't work either way. But yeah, he has not been the same. And you know the the the, the part that tells me he's not the same are his skating and his ability to be knocked off the puck. He's falling down a lot, which is not Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, he is one of the purest skaters on this team, but he doesn't get beat off the puck. And if somebody shoves him off of the puck, he's able to attack him with his stick and get the puck back. And he has struggled to do that until last night. Last night was the first time I was the same way that felt like, oh, this is Ryan O'Reilly. He's back finally. Not that Scandella was like a candidate for Defenseman of the Year award or anything, but what happens to a professional hockey player where you just fall off that much? Is it he hasn't been in the COVID? He hasn't had an injury. I follow him on social media. Dude skated his ass off all off season. I just wonder what's going on with him. He chops wood in the off season. Yeah, like you talk about a yeah. He is like That's old some manly school. stuff. Yeah. He's Brian Sutter style. Like he's <laughs> chopping wood and killing things with his bare hands while hunting. <laughs> To prepare for hockey season. He's, he's preparing Rocky Four style. Yes. Yes. Like Rocky and yes. Russia. Yeah, so yeah. true. He's running in the field. snow. <laughs> right. yeah. But then you get on the ice, and the guy yeah. last year, was it last year? He was shut down for a while, at least early mm-hmm. on in the season. I mean, he was solid, man. He yeah. was really solid. Well, and think back to when they acquired him. I, I mean, everyone was like, oh, my God, this is Jay Bowmeister point two zero because what yeah. they won like seven in a row when he came in and played with Colton Pareko. You know, part of me feels like Scandella is the – New Eric Brewer. Like, oh boy. he's the whipping boy that everyone's going to go to because you're not going to blame Colton Pareko and Krug and Falk look great and they go to Marco Scandella. Now, has Scandella made some bad plays? I, I think there's been some turnovers and there's been some plays in his own zone that he's been beaten off of the puck. I don't think he's been as bad as people are making him out to be, but here's the thing he's not a top four defenseman. Like, mm-hmm. like that's just the problem that the Blues have. They're trying, they're trying to jam a square peg into a round hole. 
Sorry, nope, Jeff. That's okay. I'll write down my joke. Wow, you didn't even say anything. Yeah, Jamie, Jamie told me to try, try and make some like no, sexual well, innuendos. When and... there's a professional broadcaster in here, I'm not allowed <laughs> to do that. There goes, my, there goes my professionalism. <laughs> I just threw that out the door. But no, like it feels like, look, Marco Scandella, he's the physical type of player you want, but he he's a great penalty killer. But I just don't know if he's the guy you want out there with Colton Pareko. He just doesn't remind you of Jay Bowmeister. Now, Craig Berube has said he will be much better. And when Craig Berube says that, I believe that. But I just don't know right now if he's the guy where you sit there and you look at and you say, Scandella, Pareko, Krug, Falk. Like, if I'm in a playoff game and I'm matched up against the Winnipeg Jets, I don't know if that's my shutdown pair. Right now it is. I don't know if that's my shutdown pair moving forward. So with all of this said, you, you know, and I, I, I am not saying that this is the issue here, but with what we have seen in the last few games, does any of this or what part of this falls on the coaching staff, specifically Craig Berube? I am still like I, I'm still at a point with Coach Berube where I myself, even not on the team, would run through a brick wall for him. Absolutely, I yeah. just absolutely yeah. love him. But at this point, it'd be one of those fake brick walls. Though, yeah, right? not a yeah, real one. Not yeah, a, yeah, not a Kool Aid man. No, 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 no. But but at this <laughs> point, when you're seeing this happen, I mean, the blame game kind of has to be spread around. So I mean, yeah. what do you see, Alex? Is it anything? With the coach. I never blame the coach. Like, I've never been that way. This goes back to Joel Quenville when he was here. Like, when he was fired, and I was 9, 10 at the time. I know, sorry to make you guys feel old there. I apologize. (laughs) But I'm going to reference my father on this one because when he was fired, I'm like, why are they getting rid of Joel Quenville? He's an incredible coach. And they're like, well, because the team wasn't playing for him. And it's like, oh, okay. But if you go through the circumstances, like there's been coaches that, we're not going to be head coaches like Davis Payne. Unfortunately, Davis, we all love you, but he wasn't going to pan out here. But when Ken Hitchcock was let go, they talked about independent contractors. When Mike Yo was let go, they talked about independent contractors. So I always go back to, man, this isn't the head coach. This is the players. Because the head coach has the system in play. It has worked in the past. You started off 5-0 and on the season. It obviously works. But there, on the other hand, I look at this team and I say, this isn't the same squad from November of 2019, right? Where he took over and they were a banging style of players that went out there and four checked hard. And this isn't that same squad. They don't have Petrangelo. They don't have some of the fourth line guys. They don't have Pat Maroon. So it's hard to play that style. So part of me wonders if they need to adapt to a different style of hockey now that everyone in the league is going with speed. And if you look at the roster, it's Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, Tori Krug, Justin Falk, Scott Perunovic. you got a lot of fast players on this squad. But on the flip side of that, before I start blaming the head coach, I look at the players. And before I would sit here and say, Craig Berube needs to be on the hot seat, if I'm Doug Armstrong, which I'm not, I'm not that intelligent, (laughs) but if I'm Doug Armstrong, I say, before I move well from Craig Berube, I'm going to find a trade for Vladimir Tarasenko and see if I can get something to help this squad for him before I say that's it. Because I just don't know if you want to cut the cord yet when you got a guy who has shown the track record of being very successful. Sorry. No, you're fine. I was just going to real quickly just throw in uh, Hitchcock. When you bring up Hitchcock, Mm -hmm. there's a guy whose message got old to the players pretty quickly. Yeah, man. That's all I was going to say. Well, and that was kind of something that even when he was hired, we had kind of like heard that yeah. was going to eventually sort of happen mm-hmm. that that it was going to eventually yeah, they you had know the coach and waiting for him Mike Yo was there basically to take over after that yeah. year right yeah. which that is still the one of the weirdest things <laughs> that is. I that I can remember <laughs> seeing in sports but you know I, I think that everything and I, I kind of alluded to it at the beginning man it just doesn't seem like the pieces have been in place for the Blues 
to kind of get on a little bit of a roll. You know, it seems like anytime something happens, you got, you know, I mean, Tory Krug was lighting the league on fire. Mm-hmm. And then he gets the COVID thing and has to come back. Boy, he looked good last night, though. Phenomenal. Doesn't look like it, it slowed him down at all. I'm, I'm very... I think one of the things that's fascinating to me, and we've talked about it a lot on the podcast, is once these guys get comfortable in their own skin, in their market, once they get traded, seeing how their game picks up. But then on the flip side of that, you see Busnevich, and it looks like that friggin' dude hasn't missed a beat from coming to New York, man. It seems like he is all over the place on the ice. Yeah. I love that guy. And you get chemistry with him and Jordan Cairo. And that's where I go back to Craig Berube style here, because... Before and look, there were people last season that were just lighting me up on social media and on on our text line during post games, saying Baruby needs to be fired. Why are you sticking up for him? And, and I don't stick up for the coach, but when you see the success for this team and they don't play that style, it's hard to go to the coach and say, oh, "Well, it's his fault." Because yeah. the beginning of the season, you guys remember watching those games. They're cycling the puck. They're creating so much pressure. And I always go back to Doug Armstrong's comment. When he fired Mike Yo and Craig Bruby took over, he said, this is the last time I'm firing a head coach because of the players. He said, this next coaching decision I make will be before the players are looked at before the coach. And to me, it always goes back to that independent, independent contractor conversation. So again, but before I would start to say Craig Bruby, because I know a lot of people are listening going, no, Bruby needs to go. Before I go there, I'm looking at my roster and saying, okay, where are we lacking for him? And then I'll make that decision. But also, and I don't know how you guys deal with this on pre- and post-game, especially with people calling in. Chad from Town & Country says, Fire Barube. Okay, Chad, who's better right now? Yep. Right. You know, I, I remember listening to, to baseball and, and Shannon and all those guys, and they would always say, okay, you're coming to me saying this guy needs to get let go, but don't come to me with that unless you have a solution. Absolutely. And Chad from freaking town and country has no idea. <laughs> right, yeah. he does not have the solution. Sorry, buddy. But here's the thing, though, too, man. Like, I don't feel like we're at a point in time like those Blues teams were where you were like, man, this these guys, there is a message disconnect yeah. between the coach and the players. And I don't feel like that is the way at all. Not it just all. feels like things are a little out of whack. Like, it yeah. feels like we're, we're that, that's all that feels like to me. And it's really, really unfortunate that they laid such an egg last night. And from what I understand, there was no energy in the no. place. I don't know how the attendance was. But this all is just kind of a bummer for Scott Perunovich. Yeah. yeah you know, is. he makes his debut. I, I saw the solo skate. That was really cool. I thought he played fairly decent. I right? thought he played. First of all, what flow on Scott Perunovich. Yeah. Oh, that hair? yeah. Oh, I hope he keeps it going. He looks yeah. like a hockey player just yeah. with that flow alone. I'm very I, jealous. I th- <laughs> Sorry, Donnie. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> I thought he was awesome. Like, I really did. I think he only played nine, ten minutes. Here's how you know Craig Berube trusts him. Last night... First of all, he's on the power play immediately. Like, he hasn't even skated with these guys, and they right. put him on the power play unit. But last night, they pull the goaltender. They're down by a goal. They take the face off in the far left circle in the offensive zone. Scott Perunovich is on the ice. There are so many guys, Justin Falk, Colton Pareko. He opted to go with Scott Perunovich because of his offensive prowess. Then they flipped it. Tory Krug stepped out on the ice. But for me, his puck decision was crisp. He was fast. Like, his exits from the zone, I'm thinking, whoo, boy, this looks like another Tory Krug on your roster. I liked him. I think he's an upgrade over Jake Wallman because of the offensive ability he provides. But I right now, I think it's still getting used to. And like you said, Jeff, that was just unfortunate for him because it was a dull of a game. If, you're play, if he makes his debut against the Edmonton Oilers on Sunday, I, I think you have 
maybe a different outcome for Scott Perunovic because there's more energy in that building. But overall, I thought he was very noticeable on the ice. And Scott Perunovic is not 19. He's not 18. He's been around a bit. He's a Hobie Baker Award, which is the Heisman for hockey, basically, correct? Mm -hmm. So he he carries himself been there done that kind of kind yeah. of attitude and i you see where it comes from cuz i don't know if you guys saw the interview with the parents loved it and what i i didn't hear it i only saw it my observation is in what i saw imagine your parents at your home opener your nhl debut they got fandango jerseys on and yeah. blues hats and blues pants and shoes mom had a blues t-shirt on underneath a jacket Dad did did not have anything blues on. Well, they were in that interview. That's a good point. They were cool, calm, yeah. and collected. They were just like, like yeah, we've her been mom, there. Her mom was, or his mom was like, uh, no, he, he's. We expect him to be. We expect. It was just like, wow, dude, you guys are you are tremendous examples of like parents that wouldn't be a wreck. I would be blubbering my face off. Yeah. My, are you kidding me? Yeah. It's probably been been there before for both of them though, because he's won two national championships yep. at Minnesota Duluth. He was going for a third one before. The season was canceled, and he's a Hobie Baker Award winner. So for Mr. and Mrs. Perunovic, it's probably like, yeah, he should have been here to start the season. Right. Yeah. So so what is the, you know, what's the plan for, for him at this point? Are you just letting him play until you feel the need to send him back down to the, to the AHL if need be? Or, I don't think he what? goes back to the AHL. I agree. I, I think the, the fact that they put Kyle Clifford on waivers yesterday to me said, no, he's not going back. He's up here for good. And we talked with Drew Bannister on BK and Ferrario yesterday, and he was glowing about this kid. He said, I've been in the AHL, I've coached in the AHL, and he said, I've never seen a player with this prowess in the American Hockey League before. I mean, he had 20 points in 12 hockey games, and he missed a game. I mean, the guy was just on fire. And the part that really stuck out to me when Bannister said this, he said, he is so confident with the puck on his stick that when he gets it, he knows what his decision is, and he's not going to question his decision. And when he comes back to the bench, he's going to give the coach a reason why he did that. To me, that's hockey IQ. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't, you can't teach that. And if you have it, I've gone with the comp for such a long time. And Jamie's not here, so he probably thinks I'm crazy saying this, which will bring it up next week with you guys. I see Quinn Hughes in in Scott Perunovich. I really do. With what he can do, with his offensive ability, with his quick decisions in his own zone. We all remember that bubble play against Vancouver that playoff season. Quinn Hughes was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I think that's Scott Perunovich's ceiling with this team. So how does this affect the defense moving forward? And then also, how does Perunovich having some kind of success potentially affect maybe the what we get back in the Tarasenko deal? You know what I'm saying? It, it, that's I know that's a roundabout way of going about things, but you've got him, so he will be in that top six somewhere. So does that make somebody expendable? And then, you know, does it kind of change what you're looking for with Tarasenko? See, this is the interesting part, and this is why I was surprised and why I believe Frunovich wasn't going back to the AHL when they moved Clifford. You have eight defensemen right now. So, I mean, you got two healthy scratches every night. And to me, I don't know why you'd bring Frunovich up to sit on the bench. So... It's either going to be a Bortuzzo or a Scandella that is sitting on the bench. Jake Wallman, Nico Mikola, those two guys, like, Wallman's got a one-way contract. And if I'm not mistaken, Mikola's got a one-way contract. So they would have to clear waivers if you put them down in the AHL. So right now, at least to me, it feels like there's not a good enough offer on the table for Vladdy. And on top of it, we got to figure out who these guys are. Can Perunovic be a top-four defenseman for us? Because I, I would like to see what he looks like playing with Colton Pareko. I think that might be an interesting matchup. 
But if he doesn't work out there and he is solely an offensive guy who plays on your third pairing and you drop down a Bortuzzo or you put Scandella there or maybe Mikola plays on that pairing, then it's pretty clear you need to go get a top four defenseman to play with Pareko. So I think for now until I would say January, that's what you're going to look at as say, okay, this is a trial period for the Blues to figure out is Wallman, Mikola, or Perunovic a top four defenseman. I'll be damned. The last minute Blues what are we doing here? The Last Minute Blues podcast is brought to you by... Brought to you by Together Credit Union, empowering you to achieve your financial goals. I'll be very honest with you. uh, I'm taking the day off tomorrow, so I recorded my art show today and tomorrow, uh-huh. and so I I just feel like... You don't know you, where you are. I, 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 I left it all on the table in the in the production room, <laughs> yeah. man. I, really. Well, to be honest with you, you have so many jobs, we already deleted this part, but at the beginning of the podcast, Donnie said, do you want fries with that? <laughs> just because he had a microphone in front I of him. I did actually didn't order know. those two. Where are they? All I can think about is the lover boy that I nobody, played today. But Nobody wants soggy fries. So, hey, one thing uh, that, that I want to bring up, and, and I know that we want to talk about this Sammy Blay, P.K. Mm-hmm. Subban thing, but what is it about Jordan Bennington that makes him so good? You know, because he doesn't seem to me to be like a traditional guy that, you know, is very fundamentally sound. Maybe he is. But what is it about him that makes him so good? I love that guy. Yes, I'm same here. For a million years, being a lifelong, and me and the Blues were born in the same year, so I can say lifelong fan, it's always been, we have everything but the goalie. We have everything but the goalie. We have the goalie now. What makes him that's so a, good? That, before that, though, when was the last time either of you have looked at a goaltender and said, that's our guy? Yeah, it's been. it's whew. Because I don't even know if Jake Allen had that. And look, I love Jake Allen. But I think every time Jake Allen looked like he was trending in that direction, Brian Elliott, Carter Hutton struck. And then it's like, oh, well, maybe you got yeah. to compare. I, I honestly, I think you have to go back to Grant Fuhr. The last time you looked yeah. at a goaltender and said, "I have him," yep. and I don't even really remember Grant Fuhr. Once again, young age. Sorry, yeah. guys. Jerk, douche. But I know, but <laughs> wow, but, I said jerk. He said douche. I liked just, it. I liked it though. It was saying it was a good one-two punch. Like jab, I jab, was, hook. I was smiling when I said it. That should matter. Jab, jab, hook, uppercut. But like Roman Turk wasn't the guy, was he? Nah, man. Uh, nobody nah. really felt like he. Brent Johnson was for a little bit in that playoff run against Chicago, but then it was like, eh, I think we still need somebody. So. For me, what Bennington provides, and look, I don't know if I should be saying this because everyone blames me as being a Bennington defender and, like, I love Bennington. I really do. I think he's an awesome goaltender. I think he's a top-10 goaltender in the National Hockey League. But to answer what he does that makes him so good, one, he's aggressive, which I love about him. Like, if you watch him, Panger talks about it all the time. He's at the top of his crease. He's waiting for that guy to come into him, which is, if you've seen the the breakaways that he's been up against these last couple of games, he stopped every one of them. Shootout against the Winnipeg Jets, he was superb. But the other thing and why I think he's so good is because of his attitude. And I've always said this about Bennington. It's Patrick Waugh-esque. Not his play. Not his play. I'm going to say it again. Not his play. But it's his attitude to where it's like, you know, blank this guy. I'm going to win this, you know? And yeah. we saw him swing the stick at what's uh, what was the team that he went up against. I completely forgot. It was um, California Golden Seals. That's right. Thank you very much. It was um, Garth Butcher. That's who he was up against right <laughs> on the ice, right? Uh, Ca- Colorado with Kazem Nadri. And he skates out and he throws the stick and everyone's like, oh, Bennington up to his antics. I loved it because to me, every time Bennington does that, he reads the room of the team and he realizes they need a spark. So between his aggressiveness and his, and his, his attitude – that's why I think he presents himself as a number one goal. Well, and, and the only thing I would disagree with in everything you just said there is tell me nine goalies in the NHL that you would have confidence in instead of him because you said he's a top ten. Yeah. There, I don't, there's not nine goalies I would put out there before him. 
I don't think. I, I don't know the league as well as I should Me to be either. able to make that call. But Me he either. would very – I mean, just the simple fact that he is even in the conversation for the goaltender for Team Canada very much – And I think it's not says even the conversation. I heard the, the podcast you guys did with Rivs. And, and right now, he's my number one guy. Like, Marc-Andre Fleury is not – I mean, he's going to get it because of name recognition, but he's not playing great. Carey Price will get the – the invite, but you don't know what he is right now. And right. I think the only other guy that you can look at and say, okay, well, this might be his opportunity is playing with the uh, New Jersey Devils, which Mackenzie Blackwood, I think his name is. But, like, there's nobody else that I'm looking at for the Canadian side that say, oh, yeah, he's going to get this. Right. Jordan Bennington is the guy. And you're right, Jeff. I, 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 I'm I, always casual with saying top ten because I'm sure that there are guys that oh, people yeah, say, oh, I'll take this that guy. Way. Yeah. But, in my opinion, there is there are five guys total in the NHL that I'd look at and say that's my number one guy, and I think Jordan Bennington's one of them. Yep. One of the the last thing that we'll we'll talk about here, uh, and it really sucks, man. I I really enjoyed Sammy Blay when he was here, and it looks as though that Sammy is going to be out for probably the rest of the year yeah. due to a really really cheap play by PK Subban. And listen, I did not know. The history of Subban and this slew footing mm-hmm. sort of thing. Notorious for it. He has a huge reputation for it. Why is this okay? This douchebag needs to take a seat for a long time. There, there's been one person so far, and I haven't like gone all over social media to see who is defending PK Subban, but I've seen one person. You know who I'm going to say? It too. Tim Peel. Yep. The former what? ref and St. Louisan, mm-hmm. and he is saying that he knows him. He's talked with him, and he swears that PK Subban swears he's not trying to hurt anybody, and it's a bad habit that he's getting himself into. That sounds like a crap ass excuse, is yeah. what that sounds like to yeah. me. You know what? If you know it's a bad habit and you're ending people's seasons, I don't know. Stop doing it, dude. I am. All, I love hockey. I love aggressive physical hockey. I do not like it when it is obvious to me, the hockey layman, that you are trying to do more than just trip somebody. Yeah, be fair and be hard, and that is fine. How do you regulate that, it's, dude? What happens? Does anything th- happen? No, I don't think anything can happen. That's just the way PK Subban plays. Unless you're going to suspend him, but I don't think that's ever going to stop him. That's his style. It's a, it's a little dirty. I mean, it's a, the way I look at a PK Subban is the way you look at Tom Wilson. Right, like you look at Tom Wilson, you say it's a dirty player on the outside. But if you're a fan of that team, you look at it and say, man, he's just playing hard. And I think that's how people view PK Subban. And I saw Tim Peel's comment on it as well, and I was kind of like, oh, damn, really? That's where you're going to go with this? Because it's the third slew foot he's done this season. This and, season, yeah, he nearly injured Ryan Reeves in the game when he did it because Ryan Reeves they thought tore his ACL, and they were like, oh my god, he's gone. But then he came back in that game. The problem is P.K. Subban views it as playing aggressive and going into the boards, but he's putting himself in a bad position. And I saw another person defend him, but I didn't see it more in the terms of, oh, well, he doesn't know what he's doing on the ice. I've seen it more of, well, he's a great guy off of the ice. And he is. He is very charitable and does a lot of work for a lot of uh, people in the hockey community. But you have to be able to decipher that. Like You can be an awesome human being away from the ice, but when you're injuring guys left and right – that's where the league needs to step in. And frankly, I'm surprised George Peros has not stepped in yet for how many damn suspensions we've seen around the National Hockey League for high-sticking and roughing and diving. Was George Peros? He was, he was a physical guy. Right? He, was the, he was the enforcer. But he yeah. was more like a Kelly he, Chase enforcer. I know, but what I'm saying is he the right guy for that position if so many P.K. Subans of the world and rough-and-tumble guys like George Peros are the ones that he always has to decide things on. See, I've always thought that the guy that would be perfect for that is Paul Correa. 
Like Paul Correa would to me would make the most sense in terms of being the one in charge of enforcing fines and penalties for players because he's gone through that. Oh, His career was ruined yeah. because of a big dirty quote unquote hit, if you're gonna call it that, from Scott Stevens. But you want a guy who's been injured, who is a elite player, Hall of Famer, that knows what the penalties are when you play bad and rough like that. That was the that was the one where he was out cold and a yeah, the playoffs. His remember that, and his and his yeah. uh, his visor fogged up, mm-hmm. and then he came back and scored a game winner, yeah. didn't he, or something like that? Yeah, right? he, he probably the game and came back in overtime and scored That's the game winner was, against yeah. the Devils. Probably didn't know what continent he was on when he did it. <laughs> he said that still he, could skate better than us. He said, <laughs> absolutely. He said he was in the locker room after that. I interviewed him when he went into the Hockey Hall of Fame. He said they took him back and they did the concussion protocol stuff with him, and they said they were asking him. He didn't know what his name was, and they and he said, "I'm going back out there." My last name is Spaghetti. All right, get out there. Get out there and score the if goal. If you can spell Spaghetti, then get out there. That is the Last Minute Blues podcast. Alex, thank you thank very you, much man. for this hanging out with us, man. So we awesome, appreciate dude. it very much. Definitely. Uh, Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers will be back next week. It is the Last Minute Blues podcast. As always, thank you for listening. Uh, share us with your friends, and let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home-trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.